to Maranatha Christian Assembly Podcast, where we bring you the Word of God wherever you are. We pray that you be blessed by God's Word this week. begin uh, my message for this morning is life on life missioner discipleship okay part one huh? so that's my message for today so before I start uh, let me ask you one uh, question huh? one question what is the core business of the church what is the core business have you, have you thought about a uh, church as a as a business or not? not making money lah, okay not okay but what is the core business of the church have you all thought about that? Business doesn't mean make money. I mean, what do, you, what do you essentially do as a church? Have you all thought about that? What is the core business of the church? Huh? Winning souls, okay, maybe? Discipleship, okay. Any, any else? Any other answers? Discipleship, winning souls, all this very good. Fellowship, okay, very good. Worship God. Okay, all very good answer. Huh? Okay. Very, very good answer. Any, anyone else? Call business. Don't worry. Lah. It's not a trick question. Lah. Not meant to look, make you look bad. Okay. So, maybe, maybe listening to God. Okay. Maybe uh, some people think our call business is to make sure every Sunday got service. <laughs> Correct? Nah? Because everything is geared towards Sunday, right? It's like a cycle, huh? Like this red race that runs every seven days. Huh? So that's the life of a pastor anyway. Every, oh, finish on Monday, must think of the next Sunday already. Uh, is it to provide pastoral care to the members? Uh, is it to win soul, reach out to unbelievers? Uh, is it to conduct Christian workshop, Bible study? Uh, is, it, is it to create a platform for a small group to meet? Uh, or is it to conduct prayer meeting? Which one? All of the above. Wow, very good. Kiasu uh, Singaporean, everything also one. Okay, all these are important. Huh? And uh, any way, uh, anything that we can help somebody follow Christ is actually discipleship. So all this is important. Huh? Okay, but we need to nail down even more what is the core business of the church. Huh? Okay, because discipleship is a very general term. Okay, very, very general term. You, you drink coffee with somebody... Uh, at the coffee shop and tell them about Christ uh, and, and share our testament. That's also discipleship, uh, by the way. Okay, not just what happens in the church. So to come back to the core business, of course, we have to uh, get my slides on first. Uh, okay. So to get back to the core business, uh, of course, we need to turn to the Great Commission. Okay, very important. The last words of Jesus before He left. Uh, Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what is the core business of the church? Make disciples. Wow. Very business word, huh? make. What are you making? Apple pie, chicken pie. <laughs> okay, make. So, so uh, 
The core business of the church can be summarized in this one word called disciple-making. Okay? To be, to be uh, very clear and very precise is this word called disciple-making. So disciple-making is not, uh, not just discipleship. It is discipleship, but it's more than that. Huh? It's helping people to follow Christ and to equip them to become matured uh, and equipped disciples. Okay, so it's not just making you disciples. It's making you know how to make disciples of other people. Understand? There's a difference. Huh? You can be a very mature person. Huh? But if I ask you, hey, do you know how to help somebody become a mature disciple? If you say no, it huh, means, oh yeah, miss the mark. We miss the mark. The pastor missed the mark. The church missed the mark. So our job is to help you to become disciple makers. Disciples who know how to make disciples. Okay, so that is the litmus test that Jesus uh, was asking the church uh, to focus on, um, uh, to, 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 to spend their energy. The business of the church is to make disciples. So sometimes uh, when we don't define what it means to make disciples, you know what we do now? Uh, we, have you thrown a dart before? So sometimes, if let's say I throw a dart at this wall, right? I throw a dart already, uh, then wherever the, uh, the dart lands, uh, I draw a bullseye around the dart. Then I say, oh, I hit target. Uh. <laughs> accurate or not? This kind of uh, shooting, is it accurate? After you shoot, then you draw a bullseye. Then you say, wow, see? Soon, bullseye. So a lot of times, uh, as churches, that's what we do. Uh. We don't know, uh, we just troll. Uh. If you hit something, uh, then you say, hey, actually we got do, you know, see? It's accurate, eh? there's disciple coming up, you know. But we're not very sure. You know, we just shoot, lah. Ad hoc and uh, chance, lah, okay. So if it happens, good. If it doesn't happen, you know. Yeah. So, so that's uh, a lot of times how we make disciples. We're we not very sure what is a disciple. We're also not very sure what is the process, lah. If it happens, thank God, lah. If it doesn't, you know, uh, we answer to God. So let me use a factory analogy, yeah. Okay, factory analogy. Let's say you are, uh, there's this owner of a rubber factory. Okay, owner, uh, rubber factory, and then he come to you, you are the factory manager. You know, then the owner say, hey, hey guys, I need you to uh, make a rubber product. Okay, you are the manager, I need to go off, you are rub- make a rubber product. I'm going to give you the specification, I'm going to tell you what this rubber product is, at the end of the day, what it looks like. But because you are not paying attention, uh, you only hear, oh, rubber product. So you start making, la. you start churning out. Wow, you churn out, very good, car tyre. What else? You, you churn out, uh, what else do you churn out? Uh, you churn out balloon. Balloon, uh, uh, balloon also rubber, right? What else do you churn out? Uh, uh, shoes, uh, what else? Rubber band, uh, rubber band, very useful. Uh. Rubber band need to tie foot, right? Then, then after... A glove, okay. So you, 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 you churn out different things, ah, basically, ah, because they say rubber product, right? Then you see, ah, okay, like acceptable. Say, okay, you hit the mark. This uh, is a uh, rubber uh, product because you never hear properly what it's supposed to do. Ah. Then after a while, the owner come back, you know. They say, hey, wow, all these things uh, on the floor, uh, all rubber product, right? God, you should be very happy. Uh, the owner should be very happy. Then the owner scratch head, like, hey, I thought uh, before I left, ah, uh, 
I told you pandemic coming, right? I asked you to make rubber glove, you know. How come you give me tire, la, rubber band, la, balloon, la, shoe? Now I, I cannot make money because all this product I cannot use. Because I told you to make rubber glove. You make something else. Look similar, make a rubber, but not what I want, eh? Okay, then, uh, do you think the owner will be uh, uh, acceptable of your answer or not? Rubber product, ma. Why so, so particular? No, right? The owner will not accept your answer because the owner asks you to make rubber glove, not rubber band. Okay, so in order to talk about disciple making, we need to first talk about what is a disciple. So we must define the product. Don't just say me a rubber, ah. So you must say, what kind of product? You know? Please be very, very clear what is the product. What is a disciple? God, you know, in, in case at the end of the day, uh, we do already, uh, it's not what you want, uh, then uh, jalat. So the Greek word for the uh, word disciple is actually uh, this word called matates. Matates basically means uh, learner. Okay, learner, apprentice. Okay, and uh, this word has been used 30 times uh, in, uh, in Acts alone. Okay, so this word uh, matateus is a, is a Greek is a Greek word that is used by uh, by Greek literature, five hundred years before Christ. Okay, so not, it's not a new word. Uh, the word disciple it is used by uh, you know philosophers like Herodotus, Socrates, uh, Pythagoras, or all these people. They had, they use this word disciple. So it's very common, and it's also used uh, in the academic context. Okay, but the word disciple actually in the time of Jesus means somebody who learned under the feet of a prominent teacher. Okay? So it's like, oh, my teacher is Socrates. Okay, I'm an apprentice, I'm a disciple. So it's defined by your teacher. Okay, so when Jesus used the word disciple, uh, the people there are very familiar. Okay, I'm going to sit under the feet of this guy. Prominent teacher. Okay, so, and, and Jesus is my master. So they understood that very well uh, when Jesus asked them to come and be my disciple. They understood it uh, because there was an apprenticeship model. Okay, if you want to learn carpentry, you need to come under a master. So same. But Jesus began to disciple, uh, they define a disciple very differently uh, from the context in those days. That means his yardstick and bar are quite high. Different uh, from the, uh, the word disciple that was used in his time. So it caused a, a little bit of a shock to the people. He thought, I just go and learn a trade right, under somebody. But he began to define a disciple differently. He defined it as this. Uh, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brother, sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Therefore, if any one of you does not renounce all that he has, cannot be my disciple. Wow. Hey, I thought I learned carpentry only. Leh. What happened? Ah? Got so many rules. Ah. I thought I learned uh, Greek philosophy only. Eh. How come this Jesus is uh, asking a lot? Oh? What, what he asked? Oh, I must hate. Oh. Wow, Jesus is okay or not? Okay, uh, Jesus is not asking you to hate your parents uh, later go home and then scold them. Uh, no, no. Uh, he's saying your, your, your family relationship cannot come first. I must come first. Okay, high order. Uh. What else did he say? 
you must you, your own life or me must willing to die for you or which disciple want to die for his master one no lah or, or give up his own life no no way no way then he say what what else bear your own cross means what involve suffering or oh what else must renounce all that you have or okay who want to be disciple already now who who wants Nobody wants, right? This kind of requirement. I'm just here to learn a trade. So his definition of a disciple, the yardstick is very high. Oh. Who wants to do that? Nobody wants. Oh. Okay, that's why uh, actually a lot of people left him. Uh. A lot of disciples left him. Okay, you all don't think uh, 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 everybody just say, okay, no, a lot of disciples actually left Jesus because he stated it here, here that the requirements is actually very, very high. So we see that uh, this definition is basically our vision. Uh, huh? Vision means, our vision is what? Make Jesus king. Yeah, make Jesus king. So Jesus is looking for a disciple that will make him king over all areas of his life. So essentially that is what the definition of a disciple is. Someone who make Jesus king. But at the same time, when we look at this, right, you say, wow, very iffy. What does it mean to make Jesus king? We need some definition in case uh, we make rubber band, tires, and balloon instead of glove, right? Then we are in trouble, right, when Jesus comes again. So we need some proper definition. So there are many definitions out there, uh, but I'm going to take uh, the definition uh, from this pastor called Randy Pope, uh, uh, Randy Pope, he's the founder of Perimeter Church. He started a life-on-life disciple-making movement through his church uh-huh, that has spread across the world. So I'm going to just use his definition. There's no perfect de- definition, but it's good enough. So as we look at this definition of the rubber glove, uh, you just take note how many uh, checkbox you fulfill. Uh, okay? I, I also don't fulfill. Uh, or uh, I'm still trying. Uh, we're all journeying together. We need one another to reach there. But let's define the rubber glove, okay? Are you all ready? See whether your tire or rubber band or glove, uh, huh? Because we don't want to make mistakes, right? Huh? Make sure the specification and the blueprint is correct. So what is the definition of disciple? First, living consistently under the control of the Holy Spirit, under the direction of the Word of God, living consistently under the motivation of the love of Christ, has discovered, developed, and using their spiritual gifts, have learned to effectively share their faith in a winsomely engaging way. Oh, okay. So not there yet. Huh? I'm not there also. Huh? Okay, but is, some, is it something you are working towards? Is it better than five years ago? You must ask. Huh? Okay, if you regress, huh, become worse, huh, then you, 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 you better take stock. All right? So is this something you want to work towards? Is this something in your life? Oh, this five only, uh, got, got 15, 15, don't worry. Uh. This is only one page. Uh. So you, you count, uh, uh, wow, have or not? Okay. Maybe 50%, okay? Second one, second page. Gives evidence of being a faithful member of the church. Wow, y'all, a lot of them can. This one can. Pass. Effective manager of life, relationships, and resources. Okay, what else? A willing ministers to others, including the least of these, uh, means those who are marginalized. An available messenger 
to non-kingdom people. Okay? So you see, okay, how, how many? Okay, not bad, not bad. This one not bad. Okay, let's come to the last one. Demonstrate a life characterized by gospel-driven, driven by the gospel, worship-focused, loves to worship God, morally pure, all right, evangelistically bold, discipleship-grounded, family-faithful, and socially responsible. Okay, do you care about the environment? Do you care about society? Do you uh, play a role? Being a good citizen? Alright, so these are the 15 uh, checkboxes. You can go home and then uh, try and uh, do some homework. Uh, see where you are. Are you anywhere near or working towards? Alright, I think it's a good general uh, uh, marker. Okay. And uh, not only just all this, uh, the last one uh, is... You must know how to make somebody like that. Oh. Wow. also cannot, right? How are you going to help other people be like that? Oh. Very hard, right? Jesus, you're asking a lot. Leh. How to make disciples like this? Cannot. Lah. Okay, so Jesus is asking a lot, but basically that is the bullseye. And we must work towards the bullseye. Okay, so that when he comes, we are making rubber glove. Okay? So then you ask, is Maranatha Christian Assembly making this kind of disciple? Yes or no? Say maybe, uh, because I throw, then I draw a bullseye. Is it ad hoc? Is it accidental? Is it incidental? Or is it intentional? Is there a process? Is there something we know that at the end of the factory line, we are producing disciple? And some people, wow, object. Say, Pastor, church is not factory lah. How can you look at church like factory? You know, you can do all the right things, but you can produce somebody like Judas Iscariot. Hey, possible, ah? Because Jesus also didn't get it right, right? Okay, but at the end of the day, I believe Jesus is not asking us to do something that got no process, no plan one, ah. It's not a hit and miss ad hoc. If it happened, good for you. If it doesn't happen, no. It must be something that... Jesus said, teach them everything that I have, you have observed me doing. Okay? So there must be a process, there must be a plan, it cannot be ad hoc, unintentional. There must be a process and a blueprint. Okay? So what kind of church are we? Are we uh, do we need to adopt a new church model called purpose-driven church? What else? Seeker-sensitive church or healing church? What kind of model should we adopt? in order to make this kind of disciple? Is there a model out there that help us or not? Have or not? If your hand, let me know. Uh. Can make a lot of money. Uh. Oh. Church growth model. Is there something that we are doing that we need to adopt? Because a lot of models come and go, go right? Last time, it's purpose-driven, then seeker-sensitive. Now, I don't know which one already. Okay, so there are a lot of models out there. So is it because our model is wrong? Um, but if let's say our blueprint is not producing this, uh, then we must ask, hey, uh, is there a need to change our processes? Because if we are doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results, what, what do you call that? It's called what? Do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. What do you call that? 
It's a word I, my wife tell me not to use in church. Ah. But it's called crazy. <laughs> okay? So there must be, hey, how, how do we reach that? Because ah? that's our goal, right? So as a young Christian, uh, when I was in university, uh, I came a, 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 a across a very small book. Ah. This small book, uh, I read this small book and I got very excited. University. Okay, this book is called The Master Plan of Evangelism. Okay, it's a classic book written by Robert E. Coleman in 1963, before I'm born. Uh. Now it's out of print. Okay, so I got very excited about this book. You can download it, uh, it's free, you can, you can read it. Uh. So in this book, actually you talk about this, uh, how Jesus made disciples. And he outlined there's uh, eight principles, okay, that Jesus used to make disciples. Then I found this book, wow, very simple, very clear. You know, it makes sense. Huh? Jesus had a plan, you know. Uh, but my problem is I cannot find any of this group. Eh? I try to look around, hey, who is doing this? Huh? I look at different church, I, I, I'm from different church, I look at, hey, who is practicing this eight principle? Huh? Because I want to join, I want to join, I want to learn. Then I found, hey, don't have it. Don't have it, how? So I, I, I was very convicted actually to uh, carve out some plan uh, because I want to adopt, I want to see God out there have or not so that I don't reinvent the wheel. Then I found don't have it. So the beginning of last year, uh, actually I, I brought the servant team, uh, uh, the top leadership of the church, through uh, lesson one to lesson five already about what is the principle of making disciple. So today we are doing lesson six. I had to write my own because uh, there wasn't anything out there. So I said, wow, these are very important principles, huh? how to do it. So I was praying to God, hey, God, coming to lesson 8 already. Eh? What's happening after lesson 8? Uh? I tell them the principle, how Jesus did it, but then how? Uh, eh? So I was praying to God, hey, God can you help me? Now? I, I want to make disciples, but how to do it? I only tell them the principle. I don't actually doing the, 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 the discipleship itself yet, you know. So I was praying. And the Lord opened the door for me uh, to meet the senior pastor of Gospel Light Church in Pongo. You all know? Gospel Light Church. So he was sharing to a group of pastors about uh, this life-on-life disciple-making model. And his church is uh, embarked on this journey uh, 10 years already. 10 years. So he's, he, he had done it third generation. So now 200 people in his church are, are actually doing this. And his, his, his church actually quadrupled uh, from 500 to more than 2,000. So he was talking about how this uh, disciple-making is a very slow process, uh, helped him to raise leaders. So I was very interested. So I met him up for, for coffee and far from him uh, because in Singapore, uh, it's very hard to implement. Because why? People are very, very busy. So I said, cannot be uh, how you do it. Uh. Singapore, like we're talking about Singapore. If Singapore can work, any country can work. You know what is their requirement? They have 28 lessons uh, a year. 28 means there's 56 weeks, right? 28 means every two weeks you must meet. At least, uh, every two weeks. Huh? Uh, he, he, will, he, he will select four to six male, uh, male to male, female to female, four to six people okay, to come under his group, 28 lessons a year, for three years or. Oh. Then after the third year, then these four to six people, they are supposed to go and find four to six 
to make disciples for another three years. Oh. Wow, I say very high commitment. Eh. Then he say not only that, I also meet them one-on-one -on -one beside the group once a month. Then I look at him, wow, are you in Singapore? I say it's not possible to work. But he say he has been doing it for the last 10 years. You know, and he's beginning to see the results, uh, the fruits. Then I say, okay, uh, I want to learn from you. I want to explore. What does it mean uh, okay, to, to make disciples? Because all my model I see is US, uh, not very far away. Don't know whether it works or so. So we, we, we're going to explore also uh, on, on more on this model. How, how do we begin to make disciples and raise leaders uh, in Maranatha? Not by some church fab, uh, not by some wow, purpose-driven church or new model out there, but, but by principles that Jesus himself laid down. That is his model. Because he only had three years. And after he did it, what happened? The world was changed. Uh. It shows you what? His model worked. Uh. Okay? He only had three years. And after he left, the disciples turned the world upside down. So I'm going to show you a, a video by Perimeter Church. Uh, so, so basically, uh, Jason Lim from Gospel Light adopt, adopted this model from Perimeter Church from the pastor called Randy Pope. Okay? So they've been doing this for 40 years. Okay, so I just want to show you a video that is uh, done by them. I just found this video recently. Huh? Why is it that countless churches excel at preaching and programs, but struggle to make mature and equipped followers of Christ? Churches typically go from preaching and teaching to deploying. We tell people what to do, then send them off to do it. But the problem with proclamational leadership is that it sends out believers who aren't yet trained and matured. It leads to discouragement, disillusionment, and disengagement. Jesus didn't direct and delegate. He discipled. He didn't merely inform his followers by sharing his knowledge. He transformed them by sharing his life and having them join in his ministry. Jesus modeled incarnational leadership, discipling his men, joining them in the trenches while preparing and coaching them to multiply and to be sent to the front lines. We call it life-on-life -life missional discipleship, and we believe it's the missing middle in the life of the church, the center of the hourglass. Preaching, teaching, and small groups deliver great truth and create meaningful fellowship. But life-on-life -life missional discipleship equips us to go from belief to maturity, leadership, and impacting other disciples and the lost world. Without Christ-like discipleship, Christ followers cannot become kingdom leaders, and congregations can cherish the word but can't change the world. Remember, when God wanted to build his church, he didn't send a program to implement. He sent a person to imitate. And the life that Jesus lived, the model he gave, was defined by life-on-life -life missional discipleship. Jesus shows us how to think big, start small, and go deep. He pursued a big vision for the world by selecting a small group of men and investing deeply in their lives. As Paul says, we shared the gospel with you and our lives as well. This is the heart of discipleship. When people who are being conformed to Christ share their life, they pass on Jesus's life. The life of Christ leaves a legacy of generations and the gospel spreads around the world. That's why life-on-life -life missional discipleship groups are unlike traditional small groups. 
They focus on life transformation, not just fellowship or knowledge transfer. They're small, with four to six people who are carefully selected and highly committed, and they multiply. We make disciples who can go and make more disciple makers. As each leader goes on to raise up more leaders, and those leaders raise more leaders still, the growth of the movement is exponential and explosive. This is not a novel idea or a quick fix. It's simply the way of Jesus. It's not a new method, but an old method with new people. Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations. As we've focused on life-on-life -life missional discipleship, the blessing has been profound. By God's grace alone, we're seeing life-on-life -life missional discipleship movements rise up throughout the United States and around the globe. Wherever God's plan is followed, we see new believers, new leaders emerging, and congregations impacting their families, neighborhoods, cities, and nations. Discipleship was Jesus' model, his method, his mandate, and his mission. There is no plan B. All right, there's no plan B. All right, that's, that's uh, Jesus' way of making disciples and something for us uh, to, to learn from. So what is missing in the middle? We have uh, weekly services, we have small groups. But what is missing in the middle is what we call life-on-life missionary disciples where uh, we select a, a, a group of people who, are, uh, who wants to grow and hungry to learn in the Lord. Uh, and then we are able to um, basically be missionary wherever God has placed us. And the renewal basically means to reach out uh, to the world. So what is the, what is the definition of life-on-life life missionary discipleship? Okay, uh, it's defined as this life-on-life missionary discipleship is laboring in the lives of a few with the intention of imparting one's life, the gospel and God's word, in such a way as to see them become mature and equipped followers of Christ, committed to doing the same in the lives of others. So basically, it's, it's doing life together. Okay, more than just Bible study, how, how do we impart not just the gospel, but our lives? Uh, it's, it's helping people to move from unbelief to belief, from belief to maturity, from maturity to leadership, and being a disciple maker. So maybe some of us uh, are, are hearing this sermon and then they say, hey, what's this God do with me, Abasa? I, I don't think I want to be a disciple maker, le, very scary. Le. I also not leader. Le. Okay? But it is our vision that uh, we want to help us to become disciples. You say, I'm not ready to disciple maker. Never mind. Let's work to becoming a disciple first. And then from becoming a disciple, we hope that many, many, uh, will eventually become disciple-makers. And we cannot do it alone. You cannot hear online sermon and then see here and then you become a disciple or disciple-maker. You can't. We need each one on another. We need a community for that to happen. Okay? We need to rub off each other. And, uh, and for us uh, this morning, I, I'm just going to share uh, with you just four of the eight principles that uh, Robert E. Coleman talked about when he talked about how uh, Jesus made disciples. Okay, so Robert E. Coleman had eight principles. So today I'm just going to talk about the first four, selection, association, consecration, and impartation. I'll do the next four uh, another time. 
So the big idea for, for us today is we want to follow the example of how Jesus Christ made mature and equipped disciples. That's his model. That's his uh, blueprint that he has already given to us. It would be silly for us to ignore what he has done and just do business as usual, what we normally do. Uh, it would be silly of us if uh, we fail to follow the process that Christ has so obviously given us. So the first principle in disciple-making according to Jesus is the principle of selection. Okay? So he selected. Uh, it says in Luke 6, verse 12, it says, In these days he went out to the mountains to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when they came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, which he named apostles. Okay, so as you list the name, name of apostles, remember there's a last one, uh, Judas Iscariot. Alright? So Jesus prayed whole night. Okay, uh, he was quite serious about seeking God before he chose. So, so it's a divine process. Uh, he didn't depend on his own strength. He prayed, God, which one should I choose? Okay, um, and uh, of course, whoever you choose doesn't mean perfect, huh? because Jesus also got one that is a, a traitor. Okay, so don't beat yourself up if, if, if the people that you chose uh, betray you. Huh? It's, it's quite normal, huh? because Jesus also like that. So the first, slide, first step that we need to do in, in selection is prayer. Prayer is very important. Okay, I remember uh, praying very hard okay, as, I, as I chose uh, and, and, and challenged the servant team to rise up. As I prayed and asked, who should be in the board? No, I prayed. And uh, I thank God that uh, the servant team and the board has been such a blessing uh, in my first two years uh, as senior pastor because without them, wow, you'll see my hair getting more and more white. Uh. Okay, now I can still smile at you. Okay, but because they are a capable team, they are people who have been handpicked by God to do the job well so that the pastors can, can do what they need to do. Alright, so we need to pray. First is we need to pray uh, uh, for the right people. Second, uh, what, what, did, what did Jesus do? Uh, Jesus says, As he walked along the beach of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, uh, for they are fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He caught them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You realize that when Jesus called people, it's not uh, whether you got degree or not. Uh, whether, well, how capable. They are fishermen, uh, by the way. Not highly educated. Uh. But when Jesus called them, what did they do? They... They left their job, okay? You think very easy, is it? They left their job. That's their livelihood. Okay, one day Jesus speaks to you in your dream uh, tonight. Uh. Hey, Brandon, leave your job. Come full time. Brandon, what would be your response? Wow, I think I long time never dig my ear already. Okay, but, but the disciples were different. Okay, can you see? They left their net. Okay, they are workaholic, uh, by the way, fishermen. Uh left their net and followed Jesus. You think it's easy? No, it's not easy. So Jesus was not looking for smart people, rich people, or, or whatever. He's looking for people who are, have this quality. What is the quality? Man and woman of faith. What is faith? First, F is faithful. He's looking for people who are full of faith to follow through on their commitment to follow Him. So that's F. 
They are looking for people who are available. You say, God, I, I have a heart to serve God. I love God. But I know I'm very busy, like God. I've got other things to do. I've got family, I've got career. Sorry, sorry. No, they didn't say that. They were available. They, they were busy, but they made themselves available. Thirdly, in the interdependent, uh, Jesus chose people who know that to become disciples, you cannot do it alone. You need to be part of a group. And they were willing to pull themselves up to eat, sleep with 12 person for the next three years because they know it's important. Interdependent. They are teachable. Jesus tell them, I'm going to make you fishers of men, not fishers of the sea, which are so good. That's what I'm going to teach you. Huh? Do you want to learn? Huh? Say yes. Okay, teachable. They're willing to learn. They want to make, know what it means to be fishers of men. And lastly, the most important thing, most important, they were hungry. Not hungry for lunch. Huh? They were hungry to learn from God. They were hungry because they left their jobs. 24-7 for three years. They want, it's a huge commitment but they were hungry to become fishers of men, to learn from Jesus. So this is the selection uh, criteria that Jesus used to, um, to choose his disciples. And if you, if you look at this, uh, this picture, Jesus' three years of ministry on earth, uh, do you know uh, it is recorded? He spent some time in the crowd, uh, okay? Uh, big 5,000 people, 5,000 people, right? Uh, so he did spend some time in the crowd, but it's not, it's the least, uh, least amount of time uh, he spent in the crowd. Uh. Then, we also see in scripture that he have a group of what I call 72, where he equipped them to go out. Uh, those groups, he spent a bit more time. But the, the, the next group is 12 disciples, means what? Whoa, he spent a lot of time. All this really sleep and uh, eat together one, this 12. But within that 12, there's also a smaller group called the three, core group. Okay? Peter, James, and John. Okay? Even more time, this group, okay, if you look in scripture. And then there's one called the beloved disciple who lay on the bosom of Jesus. Ah, that's John. Ah. Okay? So Jesus was very selective, ah, very strategic in how he spent his time. Well, if he, he spent his time in the crowd or everyday evangelistic service, ah, well, after he lived three years, they are they all scatter. So he was very strategic. He spent his time in the 12. He spent, he chose, uh, he spent his time even more with the 3 and then the 1. So the 3, uh, uh, the, the, the three out of the 12 are uh, his, uh, his uh, top leaders. Okay, we see that in the tra- transfiguration, okay, uh, it says, after six days, Jesus took with him, who? Peter, James, and John. These three only, uh, And took him up to a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them. So these three experienced the transfiguration. Okay, uh, God, Jesus chose them to experience a different thing because He was training them for something big. Uh, this tree also was at uh, Jairus' daughter's resurrection. This tree was also with Him in the Garden of Gethsemane in the prayer. Okay, so, so selection, He chose people very, very carefully. Uh, of course, you, you say a cell group cannot select, a cell group, everybody just come. Huh? So cell group is okay. Okay, uh, you embrace everyone. Uh, this one, uh, maybe not. Uh, can you uh, wait until next year? No, no, no. We select everyone. But this is not what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. Leadership development and choosing who is ready to be a disciple maker. Okay, because the bar is high. Faith. We're looking for people with faith. So the next principle that Jesus applied is the principle of association. Very, very important. It's not transfer of knowledge. It's not classroom. He 
associated and stayed with the people. Very important principle. Uh, you see, as, as Jesus went up to the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, he said they came to him. He appointed 12, also known as apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So he chose what? Whom he desired. Okay, so he, has a, uh, he, he, he knows who he wants. But what is the first priority for them? It's not for them to go out in the ministry. Uh. The first priority is that so that they might be with him. Okay, to spend time with him. Then they, he can send them out for ministry. Okay? Uh, not the other way around. Not do ministry first, but spend time with Jesus. Because more is caught than taught. Okay, uh, next we see the next day John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the tenth hour. Wow. I didn't know Jesus got housewarming. Eh? Did you all know? Wow. He invited his disciples to go and makan Limkopi, you know, at his house. Wow, what a privilege, right? Okay, because he wanted to get to know them. He wanted to associate with them. And, and uh, uh, we give thanks that many of ourselves are not just meeting for Bible study, but they're meeting to share life uh, together. Okay, because it's the sharing of life that you, you catch uh, what's happening in each other's life. Uh, so, so if you want to see my house, uh, you must join the servant team because the servant team is coming today. <laughs> Alright, so, so uh, 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 association is a big part because we want to share life, we want to um, get to know one another beyond the Bible study. Okay, association is a very important principle that works uh, with the 12 disciples. What's the third principle? Third principle that uh, uh, Jesus did was consecration. What's the meaning of consecration? Consecration means the act of, uh, the process of making something holy uh, able to be used for religious purpose. Okay, so Jesus uh, required a high bar okay, of obedience, of holiness, of commitment. Many of times we see, well, not enough people to serve, uh, we usually lower the bar. Okay, Jesus no. Jesus always set the bar high. Uh, if you look at uh, this passage, uh, it, it says here, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But the person said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury the dead. As for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand in the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you look at this passage, even in Jewish context or even in the Roman context, what Jesus is saying here is highly offensive. Highly offensive and not Jewish at all. 
Okay? So the first person come, come to uh, Jesus, uh, uh, say, hey, hey, I want to follow you. Just say, hey, you sure you want to follow me? Uh? Got no hotel five-star, you know? No aircon, you know? I sometimes don't know sleep well, so you sure you want? So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, uh, before you follow, right, don't, don't give up halfway. I'm telling you first, you won't get health and wealth. Huh? You will get persecution, suffering. Are you sure you want to follow me? Okay? And uh, uh, so that you don't give up halfway. Okay, but for Singaporean, what, what we ask first? How many star? Got aircon or not? We'll sweat or not? Ah, correct or not? So, so Jesus, tell them, hey, that's, that's the sacrifice, you know. Sometimes we really depend on the hospitality of, of other people. That second group is very offensive. Okay? Very, very offensive uh, to the, the Jewish years. I want to go and bury the dead of my father. Why? Say goodbye, I also cannot. Jesus! Why are you like that? So unfriendly. I thought Bible say must honor your parents. Okay, so you all must understand. Jesus is not asking you to dishonor your parents, huh? What Jesus is doing here, he's exposing the excuse. Okay, exposing the excuse. Hey, come follow me. Hey, now I, I, I need to bury my dead first. Say, I need to say goodbye. He's not asking you to neglect our family. He's exposing the excuse. So it may seem harsh, huh, but he's exposing it. Okay? Uh, you have family important. We always believe in family. Family is important. You must take care of family. So he's exposing the idol behind the excuse. So what is the first idol? First idol is comfort. Hey, comfortable or not? Singaporean, right? Important, right? Serve God. How much? Uh, full-time pay, how much? Okay? Comfort. Second idol? Singaporean also a big thing. Huh? What is that? Family. Okay, family. So Jesus is exposing. Are you sure? You're just saying goodbye. Are you sure you're embarrassed? Are you sure? Okay? Are you sure you're just saying goodbye? Are you sure you're just bearing a date? Are you sure I'm first? Okay? So he's exposing the idol. He's not being harsh, he's exposing the idol. Because why? He say why? If you follow halfway and then you laugh, ah, ah, he say actually more, the consequence is more serious. So think first. Okay? Count the cost before you say yes. Because Jesus don't want you to give up halfway. It doesn't look good on yourself, it doesn't look good on him. Okay, so, so Jesus said, hey, if you want to follow me, I must be first. I must be first. So a lot of times there's this debate. Huh? Master first, mate second, mission third. Or, master first, mission second, mate third. Or, mate first, master second, mission third. Okay, so it's something that we have to ask ourselves. Which come first? Okay, which come first? You not ask you to neglect your family, ah, please. Ah. No, after this, oh, pastor say, neglect family, don't care, let them die. Just follow Jesus. No, 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 no. It's who is first? Only you can answer. I cannot answer for you. Um. Who is first in your life? Okay. Is obedience to God first? Or other things is first? Okay, comfort, family? I don't know. Alright, and the last principle for this part one, is the principle of impartation. Impartation. We can't do it alone. 
we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, before uh, Jesus left, he says to the disciples, while he's saying to them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Okay, because John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus says, oh, you can't do it alone. You need the Holy Spirit. All that you have seen me do, all, all the, the lifestyle you have seen from me, it's not enough. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. We give thanks we are a church of the Holy Spirit. We give thanks that we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, we believe, uh, and this year's theme for us is empowered. We need to be empowered by the Spirit of God. We can't do it alone. So these are the four, uh, first four principles uh, of, of the HO uh, process that Jesus has already given to us. The principle of selection, principle of association, principle of consecration, and the last one is impartation. So these four principles are very important uh, for us as we are determined to make disciples, as we are determined to be disciple makers. We say, Lord, teach me how to be part of community so that I can become first a disciple and then a disciple maker. I want to invite the worship team uh, to just uh, come forward begin to ask the Lord uh, that we want to be serious with Him. Even as He has given us His mandate in the Great Commission, uh, we really don't want to take things lightly. We do not want to do business as usual. But we want to ask the Lord, Lord, am I a disciple? Am I... Consecrating my life so that I can be a disciple. And secondly, we want to ask the Lord, Lord, how do I become a disciple maker? It's very scary, it's, uh, it's very daunting. But Lord, prepare my heart. Because there's nothing more exciting in this world than to join God's mission to be a disciple maker. Lord, use us. We are far away from the definition of a disciple, but Lord, come and do that deep work in us so that we'll walk in your footsteps 2,000 years ago.